Welcome to the last lecture of the last week of Rare Book School, 1988. One of the great pluses and minuses of Rare Book School is that it is unbearably stimulating. As uh, most of you have good reason to know, it is a great pleasure to welcome John Downer back to these shores. He took a course here two years ago, as a number of you know, and was conned into coming back to restore the gilding three years ago, and was conned into restoring the gilding on our classroom doors beginning two years ago, and uh, is back again trading his skill for rare book school courses to our great delight. And if you go upstairs to the SLS library, you can see some gilding that was created this afternoon. And if you stick around here for a bit, you're going to have a chance to see your own, because John is doing a lecture demonstration on letter gilding uh, hands-on. I'm so sick of reading about hands-on and evaluations. But this is hands-on, gang. Remember that. Thank you very much, Terry, for that introduction. And uh, as always, it's a pleasure to be here at Columbia. I uh, have been at work here for about two weeks. And in that time, I uh, have covered most of what was left on sixth floor. And uh, Dean Wedgworth and I just had a uh, discussion a minute ago uh, in which uh, he expressed uh, the hope that I would tell you a little bit about the history of the project and in so doing tell you about the history of the letter forms. Um, to the best of my understanding, this building was constructed about 50 years ago. And at that time, uh, in the late 30s, some very good surface gilding was done to uh, mark the room numbers. And in the years since, there have been attempts to mimic or imitate the style originally used. Um, some efforts have been more successful than others. So when I undertook this project um, a couple years ago, it was uh, my intent to restore in the style, uh, in the best of, uh, style that existed, um, everything that had to be restored and replace whatever was missing in that same style. And so what you, what you see in the hallways today is um, my work that covers over some of the best and also some of the worst that was done at that time with an effort to make the worst back into the best. And uh, my, my discussion tonight will cover not only the technique I have been using uh, for the past couple of years, surface gilding, but also another style of gilding that's done not on the surface of the glass, but on the back side, and that's known as glass gilding. And I think everybody has a handout. Um, if you do not, uh, Nick will distribute those, and I'll hang on just a minute until uh, everybody gets a copy.
Uh, this outline you might notice um, describes certain basic differences between the two techniques. And um, let me start by describing the second surface gilding because there is more of that around. Um, surface gilding can be done on just about any hard surface. It can be done on metal or glass or wood. You see it uh, often on boat transoms uh, in all sorts of elaborate styles. Um, this is done, as I said before, on the front of uh, whatever uh, surface you're using. Now, glass is the only substance, aside from plexiglass, where there might be any transparency. So it is obvious that if it's on, on uh, wood or metal, it is not glass gilding. Um, the, uh, the appearance, as you see here from the, the 506 on the door, um, is, uh, as I've described here, it has a, a soft, satin-like appearance, and it's not reflective. You can't uh, get very close and see yourself as you could in a mirror. Um, and this particular uh, number has a top coat of varnish because the problem here at Butler in the past had been scotch tape, as Terry has uh, uh, described and, and uh, said many times. When people uh, become careless and, and perhaps tape a notice uh, to the window, uh, not, no, not paying attention where they're taping. Uh, when the notice is removed, the tape comes with it, and there uh, with the tape comes some of the gold. And this is uh, something we've tried to remedy and, and avoid. So a top coat of varnish has been applied, and it is uh, hoped that if, if uh, scotch taping continues to be a problem, it'll take the varnish, uh, the top coat of varnish instead of the gold, and the varnish is easily replaced. And uh, I will also demonstrate certain textural effects that can be achieved, um, such as burling, or another name for that is engine turning, where round swirls uh, touching edge to edge are placed, and it gives it sort of a, a pearly effect. Um, but let me uh, uh, first go to the samples, and I understand that there are not enough samples to go around, and um, that's really okay because everybody will have a sample, another sample to take home. But uh, for those of you who do have a sample, you might share with the person next to you. You'll see that the, the gold on that transfer sheet is very, very delicate. And if you put your finger into that gold from the front side, you'll probably get a little to come off on your fingertip. You can see how delicate it actually is. Um, let me also snip a few off for those who don't have a, a piece and that won't take perhaps you could just cut that into a few ribbons with the scissors Thanks. Um, the, the samples you're holding are samples of patent gold now the difference between patent gold and loose leaf gold is uh, quite simple uh, the, the patent gold uh, comes already adhered to a piece of tissue, and this makes it very easy to apply to uh, a, a wet or tacky size. Um, it is also called uh, gild in the wind gold because, because you can manage a sheet of this uh, much more easily than you can loose leaf, um, and especially if you're using a gilder's tip, which I'll also demonstrate. Um, 
if you can tear off a piece of gold uh, big enough to cover your finger and hold it up to the light. Now, this is not always successful. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll also show you uh, up here what color it is. The, uh, the top middle letter here is uh, the same color of gold that you have. And I will also hold this up to the light. And you'll see that it has sort of a turquoise cast. Now let me just bring that around. As opposed, as opposed to the R on my right, which is a different variety, and that has quite a different cast, and you'll be able to see this later if you don't now. Sure, but it's not your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the you know that's that's right. The uh, the R in the center has a cast sort of the color of my shirt, and that is because of its molecular structure. Um, the gold you see on your left is known as lemon gold or pale gold. Uh, that is a uh, variety of fewer carats than the sample, or the example in the center, which is double X glass gold, uh, the variety normally seen on uh, glass gilding, say on shop fronts or doctors, lawyers' offices, whatever. And returning to uh, glass gilding, the the uh, the clues to look for. Uh, in trying to identify uh, glass gilding as opposed to surface gilding, uh, you'll see uh, a reflection of yourself, first of all, in the letter. It's the equivalent of a gold mirror. Um, when you try to touch it, you'll see that it's not done on the front of the glass, rather it's, it's done on the back side of the glass. And um, the telltale sign is that on all gold leaf jobs that were done by professionals, there will be a halo of varnish, uh, often in disrepair, but a visible halo of varnish, which is added to the backside as a final step to uh, protect the, the entire job from the, the kinds of solvents used in window cleaners, which uh, absolutely wreak havoc with uh, any kind of lettering enamel. And um, even even worse than the window cleaners are in the harsh climates um, problems with condensation and in winter time there will be uh, uh, probably uh, uh, several times throughout the, uh, a harsh winter when that condensation will freeze and what happens is the ice crystals get between the paint and the window and you see all sorts of deterioration occurring around the perimeter of the letters and uh, if this happens to the varnish, the varnish is easily replaced, but once it gets into the gold, it's almost impossible to repair the job without it showing. Um, now, if I could ask Nick Yeager to come up here, I am going to uh, explain what I have done so far uh, with these samples, glass gilding, and I'm also going to I'm also going to uh, lay a piece of glass gold, which is sort of a tricky proposition. Um, to transfer the leaf from the book, you have to use um, what is known as a gilder's tip. 
Now this is a uh, very soft uh, squirrel or camel's hair. comes in two varieties. Um, and the purpose of this brush is that it picks up static electricity from my hair. And once the brush is charged, I can lift a piece of the gold leaf with that and transfer it to the place I'm gilding. Um, the reason this is so tricky is that, because, is that there can't really be any wind current, uh, wind or, or air uh, moving throughout the, the room uh, tends to blow the leaf off the gilder's tip. And that's uh, certainly an undesirable situation. Now, the first thing I, I'll do is burnish off the excess. Let's turn that glass around. I will burnish off the excess from the first guild. Now, you can see wrinkles there, uh, places where the gold did not adhere to the glass uh, completely. And with a soft ball of cotton, I'm removing the, the gold that uh, sticks up and is not completely adhered. Inevitably, this burnishing process will reveal some holes, or as we call them, holidays. And uh, these holidays have to be patched before uh, the letter can be backed up. And you can see from the sample that the first step here was to letter in black uh, with an outline and shadow combination. Uh, the letter itself leaving the interior clear. And that more or less gives you a target area for your gold. Okay. I have here many remnants of gold. This, uh, this gold is uh, virtually worthless. You can't salvage it or anything, man, but it makes interesting conversation. Um, let's uh, turn around and invert it so that the paint is upside down. Exactly. And I'll sit here on the stool so maybe you can swing around there. I discovered all too late that um, I did not bring with me uh, my size brush, which is known as a motler. Um, it's just a watercolor brush that carries a heavy load, but in a pinch I've uh, got hold of some lens tissue which will when saturated, uh, flood the letter. And actually, what I'm doing here, I'll just describe this. I am putting on a solution of gelatin dissolved in water, and it's the gelatin matter which holds the leaf to the glass. It is uh, in no way uh, endangering the gold I already have on there to put another coat of size on it. You can see this letter here does have a few holes in it and it's my intention to cover those holes as well as the portion of the letter I've not yet gilded. The gold I'm using here is loose leaf gold. It's um, described in the glass gilding section of your handout. Uh, it's 23 karat. Comes without the transfer sheet. Hence, 
one has to use a gilder's tip. My procedure is to flip to a page where there's a leaf of gold, and this is just a book of tissues, loose tissues. And what I do is I turn the top tissue back halfway. And as I form a crease along that tissue, I'm letting my fingernail hang over the edge so that I am actually scoring the leaf. Okay, now I will just give that coat of size one more time. The next step is to charge the gilder's tip. A little glycerin in, in the hair helps because uh, that uh, that gives it just the amount of oil it needs. But you can see here, I'll tease the leaf. Can you see this? Okay, it's like magic. I'm, I'm levitating this leaf. Now watch, watch. See this? Okay. Well, now I've, I've done it. I've uh, got a little on my thumb. Um, you want a picture of that? <laughs> Okay, um, the trick is to lay the leaf, the, the gilder's tip, flatly on the leaf and pull away so that the half leaf comes with it. And then position that, covering up the place you want it to. And little pieces can actually be handled with your fingertip. When I do that, I turn to another place in the book where, where I'm using smaller pieces. So I'm working from one end of the book in half leaves and from the other end in quarters or thirds or something. Uh, the reason for this is that I find once you get to the middle of the book, you start to see mars on the whole leaves, and that's undesirable because a mar in a leaf will show up on the letter. So when doing a series of letters in sequence, it is very important to position your leaf laps uh, in inconspicuous areas. Um, the idea being you would like for the edge of the leaf to hang outside the definition of the letter or find a place in the letter such as an O, which uh, a Roman O has a th thin and a thick the idea would be to position half a leaf over here and half a leaf over here so that uh, the leaf lap would occur in the least conspicuous area. Right there. Why do you need a leaf lap? Why can't you use the, the whole piece to cover the whole letter? Well, um, unless you have a lot of practice and are working on letters of sufficient size, it's very hard to handle a whole leaf. Um, the trouble being that the gilder's tip itself will only cover a portion of it, as you can see. Okay. Now, the tendency is for the remaining portion of that leaf to wrap around the backside of the tip and just fold over. Uh, it's sort of like uh, magnetism. And for that reason, um, it is much better to gild right out of the book by coiling back the pages, and I'll show you how that's done. Uh, 
with uh, loose leaf gold on, on this uh, size I've put on the door. But it's a very good question. Um, it would be better to handle uh, full leaves if that can be done. Otherwise, say for in instance, uh, a line of one inch letters, it's better to put those half leaves end to end and you can just go word after word after word um, that way. But here again, I will, uh, here's, here's a, uh, turn to the wrong page. There is here just a fragment of a leaf and I'll turn the tissue back revealing just a part of it. Resize the little corner of this character that needs to be regilded. And then I can just, with a dry finger, tear away as much as I need. Like this. Okay. And finger was still too wet. There we go. Put it exactly where I need it to fill that little hole. Now when this, uh, this gold leaf water size begins to evaporate, the letter becomes a lot shinier. I'll take it from here. Because as you see here, and I'll, I'll just turn this on its side, um, there are areas of this letter which are already starting to take on that shine, but the leaf looks quite crinkled where I just put it on, okay? Can you see that in the upper right-hand portion of the letter as I'm now holding it? The leaf is still wrinkled, and those wrinkles will disappear when uh, evaporation uh, occurs, and the whole inside of that letter will become quite shiny. Now I have, in preparation for this, used uh, a matte varnish, actually not a matte varnish, I had to make my own, so I, I powdered some chalk and mixed it in with just clear varnish. It's, uh, it's not the best, but it certainly serves the purpose. By painting this uh, interior portion of the letter with a matte varnish, you can get a second color of gold, a non-reflective uh, sort of gold on the interior. And I will also demonstrate how that's done using a dimensional effect, uh, creating the illusion that the letter is either carved, uh, incised, or is in relief in three dimensions. And the, the difference uh, between those two is created by uh, its relation to the shadow and an implied source of light. For instance, if the letter is carved, and I will use the same letter here, Say this, this letter is carved and the light source is from the upper left. Well, this would mean that any shadow would be cast away from the letter in this fashion.
Okay, is that clear? So if, it, if you have a dimensional letter, in which case each stroke has a center line, into the sample. And I'll demonstrate once again um, with another piece of, of leaf how this gilding is done because it's, it's sort of interesting to watch. Um, it's the capillary tension in the, in the water uh, that's, that's causing that strong attraction of the leaf to the glass. Um, I think I have just enough in this book to do the trick. I will say that this leaf already appears to be marred, so I will follow my own example and try to position this in uh, an advantageous position. Once again, covering the letter with the size. And one little trick is that um, if the size doesn't cover completely and I'm getting areas that tend to bead up. Just one drop of um, dishwashing detergent in the size solution will um, remedy that problem. Again, carrying the leaf. Okay. And that's how it covers portion of the letter. Um, and this can go on indefinitely. But I'm not concerned at this point with the uh, excess, which is hanging over the edge of the letter, because that can be cleaned up quite easily when I, uh, after I back up the letter with enamel. Um, in effect, everything, every uh, little bit of gold that is not covered with the backing paint will scour off quite easily. And that's one of the, uh, the differences I've noted there on the sheet, that in surface gilding, you have very little uh, excess gold clinging to the background where it's not wanted. In glass gilding, you have a lot, but it's easy to get rid of.
Glass I'd say most are capable of both. Um, glass gilding, being a little trickier, tends to be a subspecialty of the gilder's trade. Um, but it, uh, I, I really haven't met uh, too many accomplished sign painters who couldn't do both kinds of gilding and, and do them well. Of the two, um, as I say, glass gilding is, is much trickier to master. Am I right in thinking that despite encroaching technology, there's kind of an awful lot of hand lettering done these days? Well, yes, I think there is. And uh, I, I believe that um, even with the advent of the um, computerized sign makers in the industry, there has been so far no acceptable substitute for gilding. Um, no uh, 3M film, for instance, uh, can really uh, look close enough to, to gold leaf for an amateur to uh, not to be able to tell the difference. There is quite a bit of difference between the real thing and an imitation. Oh, that's right. That's right. And uh, here we go. I made a mess of the leaf, but I, at least I got it in the right place. Very little of this stuff uh, is. Uh, so tricky or or uh, troublesome that uh, you can't patch it one way or another. Well, I'm going to put this aside, and uh, while we're waiting for the size to evaporate, I'll move on to surface gilding. And in preparation for tonight's lecture, I have uh, lettered some strokes on this door. You can just barely see them. I've uh, also uh, mixed a little bit of black lettering enamel in there to uh, enhance the visibility. But I will show you right now how I have been gilding all the work in Columbia so far. And that is with um, patent gold. You all have a sample. Um, the first step, as I said, is to put um, a stroke of oil size on the glass. Now, it's, it's uh, absolutely essential, whether surface gilding or glass gilding, to have a clean surface. And I use Bonami, which is uh, uh, a glass cleaner, specially formulated. comes in cake form, and it, it's not one of these window solvent cleaners, but uh, rather a mild abrasive, which sort of polishes the glass and gives it the kind of uh, surface that takes both uh, the oil size and the water size, or lettering enamel also. And once that oil size is, is to the point where, with the back of your knuckle, you can just feel a little bit of tackiness. And, and I'll uh, give you the sound test, too. And that is, can you drag your finger up? Can you hear it squeak? Uh, that's an indication that Everything's ready to go. And it's, it's not necessary to use a whole leaf for a small area. So what I'm doing here is just cutting with scissors a piece of this 
patent gold, which will, I will in turn position exactly where I want it. gilding I just demonstrated, uh, burnishing can take place immediately, and with just a stroke or two of the cotton, I can remove all the gold that isn't supposed to be there. And here you can see a slight difference in color between this stroke and the 506 that has already been done. 506 is covered with varnish. And it yellows it slightly, but um, for, for all you gain when varnishing, it's, it's well worth it. And something else that you can do to enhance the appearance of surface gold is to decorate it by wadding the little piece of cotton into a ball and if you would like to come up for a closer look I realize that uh, a lot of you are seated too far away to really appreciate this I'm going to uh, take this little ball of cotton and twist in various places along this stroke of gold so that it has a pearl effect Just one twist of the wrist. can be done on glass. Uh, it can be done from the back side of the glass, but you won't get the same results as with glass gilding. And Nick, if I could ask you once again, um, I am going to um, gild a letter that has already been sized with oil size, and in addition to being sized, has been textured with the end of my finger so that it has sort of an orange peel texture right now in the interior of this letter, and it's, it's hard to see, but um, what we have is sort of uh, uh, an effect that it looks like uh, droplets of varnish from that texture. Um, using loose leaf 
surface gold. This is the same variety as the patent gold, it's just that it's not been processed with tissue. I will roll right out of the book onto that size and you can see the kind of effect you can achieve either in a letter by itself or in combination with glass gilding. can hold here. I need to, yeah, it has to be very firm. Exactly. You know, I'm going to come out a little shy, I think, but. thought gold was for rich folks. How expensive is this stuff? Um, the price fluctuates, but uh, the, <laughs> the gold I'm using uh, is less than a dollar a leaf from a wholesaler. There's another way of looking at that. That means it's more than 90 cents a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, yes, it's, uh, it's an old, very old craft. Um, I need the right kind of tissue here. I'm not getting complete adhesion and I'm afraid that the, the size is a little past its prime, but I hope that it will at least demonstrate. Uh, let's, let's just put this down right now and I'll do this with a little more force. I'm just pressing the leaf into the varnish. entirely different process, but uh, when gilding on parchment, um, usually like a bowl or, or clay size, sometimes just gesso is used um, as, a, as a base for that, and then um, egg white uh, is, is, I think, or I'm not sure, maybe, maybe yolk, I'm not too well acquainted with the process, is uh, used to adhere the, the leaf to that bowl. Now that's quite all right. If anybody actually can't hear not to know, we have a 15 minute video tape on how to do it. Oh. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have just fooled myself, myself, ladies and gentlemen, because I gilded this letter from the wrong side. <laughs> Well, it makes it it makes a lot easier to do it a second time because that washes off cleanly. Yeah, that is. That's, uh, let's uh, hold that there, and I'm gonna give this a second shot.
straightforward, quite a good presentation if anybody wants to see it. The result looks very much like a Hallmark Christmas card. I think this will work a little bit better. Should be able to see what. Uh, yeah, the difference shows up a lot better, doesn't it? so everybody can see. It has a, a textural quality uh, unlike uh, the other samples on this piece of glass. Well, are there any brave souls who would uh, like to attempt uh, to gild on this surface? Uh, that's right. Uh, we've got plenty of gold, and uh, I will demonstrate once again how it's done. Um, it's just a matter of. Yes, yes. Uh, it's still wet, but uh, the edges are, are very sharp as well, so please be careful. Um, I will cut some patent gold into strips, and what you might want to do is move this table over to the door in order to provide uh, a little work area. Are there any questions so far? The, um, the, door, the, back, the number on the door mm -hmm. is the first one, the glass building, right? It was done from the back. No, this was done, that's surface building. That's surface Yeah. Um, really, glass building can only be accomplished on clear glass and not frosted glass. Oh, they have, right. Yeah, you would clean the gold off where you have the size that you can see. That's right. That's right. And one step, and there really isn't isn't uh, time to do this because we'd have to wait for the backing paint to dry. Uh, when the backing is is laid on the the reverse side of the letter um, and dries, it protects the gold by sandwiching it to the glass. So what you have is the gold sealed between the glass on the front and the backing paint on the back. And after that backing paint is dry, it's very easy to scour away from the bare glass all the gold that has remained. And uh, that's how you get a, a nice clean appearance. Yeah, Martin? Have you touched up the outline, the black outline around the oh, Yes, in fact, I had to fudge quite a bit in order to get all of these numerals, which were done at different times, to look alike. Uh, and that's one way to do it. Um, you just make uh, your outline a little bit heavier. But uh, in the interest of keeping everything consistent, uh, I use that to uh, give myself a little bit of leeway. And another problem was that uh, many of these characters were imperfectly spaced. And in order to get one character a little closer to another, uh, the outline could be shifted slightly. You do this after the gilding. That's right. The gilding comes first. And uh, then the outline is added, and finally the varnish. Well, you start out with black letter. Uh, you do where opacity is uh, desired. So, what I've done in any case where it appears that the gold 
might be backlit. I first letter in black paint. Then I apply the size to that black paint, which is another letter, step. It's a full solid letter, right? Not That's right. Solid. That's right. And finally, uh, after gilding, comes the black outline. And, and that completes the appearance. So there are three layers. There's black paint, then the gold, then the varnish. Uh, the varnish, then the gold. Well, uh, the size, then well, the gold. four layers, isn't it? Yeah. The black paint, the size, the gold, and the, and the protecting varnish. That's right. So exactly. You, you, in a sense, what you're doing is you're recreating the same effect that you get with glass gilding, only you have your backing on the other side. Yes, but the only uh, quality that is absent the is the reflection, exactly. Um, of course, uh, stone inscriptions, uh, slate inscriptions are often gilt. And uh, it's, it's a good me medium for many different surfaces. The new signs that you did for us on the other end are uh, oak. That's right. Is it, is it literally the same process, or do you do different things because it's wood? Uh, Obviously, it's, you don't paint the back first because you don't need to. Right. Op opacity is automatic. Uh, so the only step eliminated in that uh, process, as opposed to gilding on glass, uh, surface gilding on glass, is that you don't have to letter first in uh, an opaque color such as black. Um, the, the chalk outline from your layout serves as a letter guide, and inside that, uh, the, the slow drying oil size, which takes about uh, 12 to 24 hours before it's uh, tacky enough to gild. Uh, when that size is laid in to the uh, area marked, it's quite easy to see because of its reflective quality uh, where you have been. And uh, with a satin finish such as we've used on those oak signboards, um, the difference is even more dramatic in that uh, when you lay your size there, it's it's easy to see where you've been. Uh, so you said it took about 12 hours for the size to get tacky. That's right. Now, once you put the gold on top of that, how long does it take to put the size to the size? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, it depends on climatic conditions, but ordinarily at least two months before it's perfectly... Uh, dry underneath there. Uh, in other, when I say perfectly dry, uh, this is a bit of a misnomer. It never completely dries, but it's hard enough so that your thumbnail can't scratch it and leave a depression in it um, after about two months. But basically, you just have to let time. That's right. You don't have, I mean, like, as you build it, you can actually burnish it and fix it. That's right. But this, this is a, a slower process, start to finish. And uh, I might add that with time, this size, um, 50 years or so down the road, it will continue to contract and crack. And uh, in Dean Wedgworth's office, uh, that was exactly the case, where I have uh, re-gilded uh, older cracked letters. And it's sort of an interesting effect because it has that uh, snakeskin appearance uh, that you can't get any other way. Uh, if only you could do it, uh, simulate that effect in less than 50 years, so you'd have uh, you know, quite a bag of tricks. But I don't think that uh, you know, it could be achieved any other way. Yes? After the, the gold is up on top of the size, and you're going to go around the edge of the, of the 
No, that's that's really where you're on your own here. Uh, there is no way to push back the black paint without marring the gold. So ultimate control uh, is is desirable. What do you do if you, if you go into gold? Well, you can take a Q-tip and with a little bit of thinner, uh, very delicately push back, very gently push push back. However, uh, sometimes it nevertheless leaves a slight mar. Um, and I won't tell you how many times I had to do that on your big oak signs because <laughs> in some cases we were talking about letters only three quarters of an inch tall and uh, you know by uh, by 12 o'clock at night your your hand starts <laughs> sort of wear out. <laughs> but uh, yes? Yes, they do. Uh, so somebody else um, made the believe. It's in the, the, the uh, manufacturing process that the gold is actually adhered to the tissue. And the price does not differ greatly. It's only slightly more expensive to get the patent leaf, but it's infinitely uh, easier to use. And you will discover that if you want to. Are there gold leaf makers too? Yes. That's right, and uh, it's it's mechanically processed these days. Originally, it was beaten by hand between pads of leather, and um, as you might understand, gold is a very malleable metal, and a little of it goes a long way. It can be beaten to a fairly uniform thickness uh, uh, with uh, with persistence, and it is possible to get it very, very, very thin. And uh, once, if, if you've passed that sample around you, and have had a chance to hold those samples up to the light, you will indeed see what I, I'm talking about. There's a difference in color, not only when the gold is lit from the front, but also when it's lit from the back. You can see because of its molecular structure that there's a difference in color. Um, the, the double X deep glass gold is sort of a turquoise, and the, the lemon gold is uh, Sort of a, a aquamarine blue, sort of a purplish. Yes. It's the size. It's the size. Is that due to the changes in temperature That's really the medium. It's it's like oil paint in that sense. Um, it's just a short time before you get a skin, a film developing on it but it takes years and years for it to actually dry to the point where it contracts so much you see cracks developing. And um, I use the size straight out of the container. I don't thin it at, at all. And because it is so slow drying, you really don't need to thin it. It doesn't get gummy in the brush, um, even over the course of a day. If, if uh, you find that your size is running sort of slow, uh, by by lunchtime, you just throw that out and, and pour yourself a new cup. So. Is there any experimentation with some of like an epoxy-based size? That oh yes, there are indeed synthetic sizes, and they're much faster drying than the oil size, uh, but they're they're shorter lived as well. And um, so I favor the uh, slower drying size. 
which has the additional advantage of giving me a longer period over which to gill, many more hours. Uh, when you use a synthetic fast drying size, you only have maybe a period of three hours, two, three hours uh, when it's ripe. Uh, and then you're out of business because it's, it's just past its prime and uh, it's too, too dry to attract uh, the leaf. Yes? Do you also gild in size letters? Yes, I have. Um, the uh, the film that belongs to SLS uh, entitled Final Marks uh, demonstrates that quite well. Um, they push the leaf out of the book uh, at the John Stevens shop where this was shot, and they push it out using a gilder's tip. Instead of picking it up and putting it down in a different place, uh, quite wisely, they just kind of, kind of brush it onto the area where they want. But uh, uh, understand also there is a, a fundamental difference in that most windows are upright, and uh, a slate can be turned any direction. Uh, it's uncommon to uh, gild skylights, and if, if I were called on to gild a skylight, I would insist that it be removed before I take on the project. <laughs> but I'm not going to get on my back and try to make water flow uphill. It's just, yeah, I don't think it would work very well. Sure, and if we'd like to, to pause for refreshment while doing that, uh, this, there's only space for um, one or two people to be working on a door at a time. But I think you'll find that it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to see this leaf transfer to the sized area, and also uh, what happens when you brush it away with cotton. If you brush, for instance, in a lateral direction and your light is coming from above, you will in fact see those striations, and it's much different in appearance than a stroke beside it which would, would be brushed with the cotton in a vertical direction. That would tend to pick up uh, side light a lot better. So. Even the, the direction you're uh, burnishing with cotton tends to have an effect on the overall appearance. And my practice is to go for uh, uh, just one of those uh, middle ground uh, burnishing techniques, which is circular, so that it picks up light from all directions. It, it isn't really committed to any one light source. <laughs>